It's the Sunday MMA show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at Trent and he's going crazy because we are on episode eight, the Sunday MMA show. <laughs> but whatever, one take. We're doing one take. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Stayed up late last night, so I put yeah. two heaped teaspoons of coffee in my coffee cup. So I was just trying to wake up, get the <laughs> yeah. show underway, baby. Yeah, and you see, you, you see me drinking, and you go, "What the hell is that? It's a shot of espresso." Oh, so that's how that's so tired we both are. Um, that's some, oh, yeah, there's some there's some nice looking espresso right there, yeah, bro. It's a gotta give it up to my espresso machine, man. It's like one mouthful. Of just <laughs> nitrous oxide. That came from That's why I'm just wake, sipping on it, man. <laughs> wake up, really. Oh, man. So let's talk about it. UFC 255 was huge last night. And Perez headlining with the co main of Shevchenko and Jennifer Maya. Um, I think we're both pretty happy with how this card ended up. A lot of good fights, a lot of action on the main card. And the main card's obviously what I watched, but um, Figueredo. We 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 kind of we had to make this fight interesting a little bit because we everyone knows how we both feel about the 125 division. Um, but Figueredo's finished the guillotine in what a minute and 37 seconds was it in the first yeah, round? Couple minutes, I think. I watched that fight two times, but uh, well, you could watch that fight two times in like uh, yeah. <laughs> a span yeah. of five minutes. <laughs> it delivered. It definitely delivered. Damn good card. Figueredo, beast. Um, deserves to be a headliner. I eat my words. Keep the 125 division. That man is something special. But I do know that he tr- had trouble with the with the weight cuts, and I don't know if he's going to be a 25er forever. I feel like as soon as he leaves the 125 division, which is inevitable with age and size and growth, um. Then who we got in the 125 division, and we're back to we're back to the fight past prelims, baby. <laughs> but well, no, yeah. Figueredo beast, and um, so was Perez. Perez is a, an incredible fighter, and Figueredo is a world class champion. That if he can maintain that weight, he will be there for a very long time. Yeah, I was gonna say. Perez was, I thought he was winning the fight early on, striking, you know, on staying on the feet, getting the leg kicks. And you had mentioned this before or earlier prior to the fight that watch out for the leg kicks. He's dangerous there and the cardio is really good. That's why, um, that's why I figured it'll come out southpaw. He hit his uh, leg that was exposed to those leg kicks. Yeah. So um, he, um, he knew the leg kicks were a huge threat. The guy that Perez finished with lead kicks in his last fight actually beat Figueredo. So the threat is definitely all the way there. Um, Figueredo had a game plan and I knew as soon as I saw it started seeing his confidence. Did you see it when he started walking Perez down and his hands were down and his head was out? Yeah, yeah. Like a damn cobra. I was like, whoa, that, that, that's what gets me out of bed, bro. There's not very many people that really fight like that and the people that do fight like that are always the most dangerous in the division always that's like um there's a very cool thing to see because i think this guy's an absolute savage beast and um once as soon as he nullified the threat of the lead kicks there wasn't too much else that paris could do and that was just it you know what i mean there's a big difference in and even and it, across the board, the only thing that um, Figueredo lacks is that uh, cardio. Now, I think that is hindered by his weight cut as well. I don't know how much and the amount of muscle that he carries. But uh, nah, Perez, world-class fighter and got put away pretty handedly, pretty damn early by a world-class, almost, I don't want to say once-in-a-lifetime fighter because that's not true, but he's... He's definitely the most deserved man of the belt for that belt, and he deserved to have that main event last night. And I don't know how many people paid for it, but whoever seen it, it was you know it was it was worth it. There wasn't I I actually think that was the performance of the night. Yeah, well I have, I have three points to make here. I think number one, 
Um, I w- never expected Dana White to run a card, a running pay-per-view, first of all, co-main evented and main evented by the flyweights for both men and women. Um, the other part to that is I was just shocked at how bigger and how physically uh, stronger looking and, and built Figueredo was compared to Alex Perez. And, and I, I texted you this last night during the fights. I said, Perez looks like a little midget or a little scrawny kid beside Figueredo. Figueredo is, um, is struggling to make that weight, though. Well, he's going to he jump up to 135 for sure. At some he's point, really- whether that's next year or, or after, you know, he decides to run through the entire flyweight division, um, he's going to jump up to 135, which I think makes it super interesting. I mean, he could go the route of stop doing the strength and conditioning stuff to the extreme, change up the diet, and just lose because he's going to have to lose muscle if he yeah. wants to stay there. Aris is going to keep murdering himself. You know what I mean? And that's a big, that's a, um, I don't know if that would be a good idea for him because he might lose a lot of performance in that. You know what I mean? And yeah. my personal opinion, they were talking about Triple C last night. Um, my personal opinion is when guys like that are at that little 125 division or what, it doesn't matter what division, as soon as they go up in weight, the guys that were on like pushing to make weight and really killing themselves to make weight, those guys that go up don't come back. So I don't think that just say Triple C was wanting to fight, he ain't making 125 again. Let's be real. The man's no. walking around at like 170 or something, even though he's retired or whatever. But then you see those other guys that like Connor, he can't fight at 145, bro. He's too big. You see those other guys that, like, even Masvidal, 55er, he can't fight at 55, bro. He's, He's not going to jump down there ever again. He's, you know, these guys, that they, they outgrow their divisions naturally. Um, well, it's just also as these guys get older, right, it's just so much harder for them to lose weight. Yeah. Metabolism changes. Just the overall mm-hmm. body just changes as you get older and mature. You're a young man, so you don't know too much about this, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not that I've experienced it, but we've clearly seen it. So we've yeah, clearly seen like, it. Even even me though, uh, like I'm 28 and I feel like um, just getting bigger naturally. Do you feel, do you feel like an old man old. now? I do, bro. I feel like I'm 75 years old. Should I start calling you grandpa now? You can if you want, because I feel. Monday <laughs> um, morning, getting out of bed. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, that's how I feel. Oh, get the socks. Oh, <laughs> you no. crack in the back in the morning. You know, there's another, another point I wanted to make about Figueredo was um, I think the strength is a big part. And you kind of saw that in the scramble, right? I thought that was pretty evident when, you know, Perez attempted to take down against the fence. And, you know, when they got into that scramble, it was almost. I, I really don't know what his ground game looks like because we haven't seen it so much in the UFC, but that was, it was seamless for him to transition. It looks like he was just yeah. way stronger than the kid. I, it just his, looked seamless for him to get into that guillotine. And he, held, he, yeah. he didn't even have full, he didn't even have full position until he kind of worked his way into it and got his arm in there, but it was so easy for him to hold that. And the strength, what, what, the, the strength department, he just looks way better than, way stronger right. than Perez. Bro, I think that's a huge um, a confidence thing too. So just even talking from experience, if when you're stronger than your opponent and you guys have that first little bit of a tangle, you find out who's stronger very quick. Sometimes it's very even. The gap is not big at all. But when you, uh, when you feel like you can handle this man, there is something that happens to your confidence that you're like, fuck, like I've got him. You know what I mean? And that's that's when you see his hands come down. That's when you see him start stalking because they had that tangle and he was so much stronger. And like when I watch guys like Figueredo and stuff like that, not only was Figueredo stronger physically, he had a way. He, if those guys had a grappling match, he would murder him 10 times out of 10. His jujitsu is special. Like when um, uh, Perez was going for that. Um, high single when he was trying to basically jack his leg up and he was pulling it up to his past his nipples with both arms and what he would have done was use his right leg to scoop his back leg and dump him on the ground and literally bro 99% of the 
world gets taken down by that takedown nine times out of ten I don't recall seeing too many people defend that and Figueredo has the skills and the ability to use that leg that should have got scooped hook Perez's forward leg his right leg and and attack with um with with leg submissions that's insane like that's um that's like that's 2020 taking the sport to the next level right there, bro. Cause that's, yeah. that man is something that's like, not only is he way stronger, but he is way more skilled too. That fight is a, is a, um, if they fight five, 10 times, Figueredo has got his number, you know, and, it, and it's the confidence, it's the skills, it's the strength, it's the speed, it's the power. It's just across the board. He's just, he's just way better. And I think to support what you're saying really is, Perez came in with the right game plan too. But when someone's just so much better than you, it yeah, just it's it's an outlier and and you just kind of cancel out anything positive that you can do. Yeah, um, game plan doesn't matter for shit, bro. When you the when the when the skill difference is that big, the best game plan for Perez, in my opinion, would be literally be the most patient man on the planet. Jab and move, jab and move, jab and move. Try and hit those low leg kicks when you can. You know who's going to walk you down. You need to have really good footwork. You need to be sideways shuffling a lot and keep your punches super straight, super basic. Because, um, I don't know, I'm saying that I literally just made up in my head right now, but fundamentals beat magic. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a true thing. If someone has really, really good fundamentals, it's going to beat whatever bullshit that you can do. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Figueredo's biggest... Um, Opponent in this fight is the clock because the amount of muscle that guy carries, his explosiveness, um, it doesn't last 25 minutes. He's not a 25 minute fighter. He's he's he struggles with the weight, cake, carries a lot of muscle. He's got maybe he's got three rounds in him, but we have seen him slow down in the past. And not only does he slow down physically. When you start getting tired like that, your brain stops working as quickly too. So the thought isn't there. The processing time is slower. The um, the ability to pull things off is gone. Everybody's slippery now. The game done changed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, let me let, let me leave it at this. Uh, imagine a fun matchup between Figueredo and Demetrius Johnson in his prime. Yeah. Well, who knows? That would be fun. I would love to see DJ back in the UFC. Um, Figured he was so big. Powerful. DJ is so creative and so uh, just so smart. Like one of the best fight IQs ever. Ever. That's a good that's a good what if fight. Now we're talking about the 125 division that is a division that no one cared about before last night. Yeah, and Figueredo looks like a real champion. It looks like a real star, mate. Figueredo is a knockout artist as well as a submission artist. He's a finisher. Yeah. And he looked good doing it. And like when you, the way you seen him fight Perez last night, you're like, well, he's a destroyer. This man is a destroyer. Looks good. Finishes. If he learns a little bit of English, I think that he's, you know, right there on the billboards for UFC. Um, They're talking about, they're talking about Cody Garbrandt fighting him, but. Is Cody um, gonna? Uh, is Cody gonna drop to one twenty five? Yes. Now he, he can was, make that, but I, I. He was signed for that fight. They he, he signed the contract to fight Figueredo for the belt. Well, that fight was done. They they were both in camp, and Cody got injured. So I don't know, but yeah, that fight was signed, and that fight was done, and that was actually meant to be the fight. Yeah, and well, I think Benavides was actually the replacement the first time, so that's interesting. But I don't like, I don't like the chances of Cody taking that one away. I feel like that's a Figueredo fight, one hundred percent. Well, let's see what happens. Figueredo, obviously, two hours after the fight, reported by Ariel Hawani, if I'm not mistaken, or Brayo Komodo, said uh, Figueredo and um, and uh, Brandon Moreno have agreed to fight. Um, I think I can't remember which 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 night that is. If that's UFC two fifty six, yeah, UFC, UFC two fifty six on um, if I'm not mistaken, December twelfth, December twelfth on that Saturday, they're gonna co. They'll probably co-main event that fight. 
um, which is supposed to be headlined by Jan and Sterling, which reminds me, news, Ariel Hawani just called off Jan and Sterling. That fight just got called off. I totally Damn. forgot to mention that to you. So that's that's going to be interesting. So, I mean, are they going to headline it with a with another flyweight fight and co-main it with Tony and Charles? So we'll see what happens. Uh, let's leave that's that fun. off there. And yeah. Sorry? Let's leave that off there and, and let's go to uh, Shevchenko and Jennifer Maya. Um, yeah. Because I think that was so. You and I both both agreed. You texted me the first thing you said was uh, after the first was after the second round or after the first round. Sorry, you said Shevchenko doesn't look like herself, and you said something was going on, and I agreed. And I I thought something I read her face wrong. She wasn't looking good. She didn't look confident. And then the third and fourth, she started to pick it up, and then the fifth round just went on a pure championship clinic. I just thought she looked like. It was almost one of those moments where it's like uh, the first two rounds, the contender looks super good. Um, the champion is in trouble. And then once you get into the championship rounds, they kind of pick it up. And that fifth round was special. The variety of strikes by Shevchenko. She was confident. She was in a rhythm and a groove. Um, and she wins the fight by unanimous decision. But I would like to say as much I did, as much as I didn't like Jennifer Maya in that yes. position to contend, I, I would have rather uh, Juliana Andrade. Jennifer Maya looked good, man. She was gritty, really gritty performance gonna, by her last night. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna interject here now. The odds were, uh, was a two thousand. So Jennifer Maya was a plus two thousand. Now those odds, watching the UFC for a long time, are extremely accurate. Extremely accurate. Whoever makes those odds is doing their damn job. They do not slip up anymore. You know what I mean? They know what the fuck they're doing. So when I see a plus 2,000 underdog, I don't see a fight. Now, like I said, those odds are damn accurate. Jennifer Meyer went in there, and I, I, I don't want to take anything away from her. She's a warrior. She's a beast. She done well, but I felt like, again, I feel like we talked about this with um, John Jones. Uh, no, the uh, the Brazilian chick the other week. Amanda um, Nunes? No, 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 no. The girl Sorry, who came out. talking about here? Brazilian. She's she's a dimey dime. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Who are Claudia Gadesia? Claudia. So, Claudia now, and I see this more in the woman. I'm going to be real. It's the, it's a mental, pro, it's something mental with them. I don't want to be sexist or off here. I don't know. Shoot me. I've got my hands up. Don't shoot them. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have the feminist world block us on Spotify. Now, I just see with them, um, I just see a mental block every so often with the female fighters. Something happens and they don't perform. They don't turn up. Um, uh, they just, I just remember watching it last night and I remember thinking, I think this is going to sound a little crazy out there, but I, but fighting isn't natural to women. Combat's not natural to women. Okay, it's just not. They're 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 not designed for that. That's why we're gonna get shot in the air here. I'm gonna get shot in the face, bro. I'm gonna get <laughs> burnt down, son. But I'm just saying it how I see it. Right? It's just not as natural to them, and they don't turn up all the time. And I see it more often than not. Um, Valentina Shevchenko is a destroyer, a marauder. No one in that division comes close to her. Not Jessica Andrade, no one. Okay, She beats all of them on her best day, one after the other. Okay, She is probably the most dominant champion in the UFC, close to Figueredo, All right, Probably even better, Okay, because she is so much levels higher than her competition. Now, no other champion is fighting anyone defending their belt against plus 2,000 underdogs. And the fact that Jennifer Meyer went in there, don't want to take anything away from her. She did well, but she does not have the ability of a Shushinko anywhere, anywhere, not on the ground, not standing, not wrestling, nothing. Shushinko, you could read it like a child, a children's book. You could read her like a children's book. Like you said, there's something wrong with this girl. There's something wrong with it. She didn't perform. She come out like 40%. You know what I mean? She did okay in the first round. And then she lost the second round to 
she lost the second round to a plus 2,000 underdog. Now, did you know Jennifer Meyer before tonight? Because I sure as shit did I not. sure as hell did not either. And I was like, I, you know, and I'm a hardcore, bro. I watch, you know, I watch the yep. prelims. I watch every interview. <laughs> you were texting like, me, I'm hey, watch- I'm watching the prelims. Look at this fight. I said, fuck off. I'm not watching to the main card. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched the first fight to the last fight. I when I when I have when I see a main event, I go back and I watch every single one of their fights up to the main event. Now Jennifer Meyer did not do fuck, I'm gonna get shot for this. She didn't deserve to be in there with Valentina. You said it yourself. Andrade should have been in there with her. Yeah, hundred percent. Should have been in there with her. There needed to be more of a fight than a plus two thousand underdog. Now, I just think that there was a mental block with Valentina. She didn't perform. Something was wrong with Valentina. Um, and in doing so, she made it look. Um, she made it look more of a competition than what it really was. Um, but. I think I said a text to you and think I said Valentina could be on her deathbed with three days to live. She could be up in the hospital at 99 years old with three days to live, couple breaths, maybe even less, maybe even an hour. That's all she needs. And Jennifer Meyer could be in her prime and Valentina will get off that bed and whoop her, whoop her ass. Whoop her ass. <laughs> Well, can, let me let, let me say let me ask you this: Do you think the mental block is the? I think uh, I don't know if it's so much to say that if it's just something with women, but obviously no, you've me. seen this and you fought. I, 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 I know what you're trying to say. When I what I'm trying to say is, is it more of just Valentina not giving a crap or completely underestimating who Maya is? Because when yes. you're when you're an opponent when you're a champion who's been as dominant as you've been. And you see across the board someone who's a minus two uh, plus two thousand underdog. I know if I see someone across the way, and I've done this in sparring. I'm sure you've done it in sparring. When you're with a guy that you know that you can whoop his ass, you're not going hundred percent because you almost feel bad for whooping his ass. Yeah, but not in a fight. And a fight, there's no. I don't believe people when they say they're playing with their food. Or I don't believe people when they, like the Khabib ally Quinta, who said, I could have finished him in time. Nah, because in a fight, there's one speed. And that's, it's like, it's like having a car race and being like, I'm going to save gas here. Like being in a, in a, in a, in a Formula One racing car and then being like, you know what, I'm going to try and be economical here. No, no, no. It's fight, bro. You're trying to take the head off. Because yeah. you got to remember, they're trying to take your head off too. I get that, but I think like we've seen that with all combat sports. Like we were talking about this before John Jones. We were talking yeah. about and we saw it happen between and I think I think the biggest when I don't think people see this as big as um, a deficit as I personally see it, but Floyd Mayweather did it with Conor McGregor for how many rounds? Um, Floyd yeah, played with him and and let him mm-hmm. let him just blow his gas tank until he finally mm-hmm. lit him lit him up. You no, know, I, and, it, I, and and I disagree. Well, I disagree. Floyd did not let <laughs> Connor hit him with that uppercut. But that Floyd was got, one uppercut. How many strikes did he get hit with? Doesn't matter. He won rounds. He landed more punches on Floyd than fucking Canelo. Oh, I agree that I agree Floyd. Or I agree that Connor won the what the first two three rounds. That's also a boxing match. It's like a different game. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. It's yeah. a different game, but I think it's it's not far from my point to say that regardless. I know what you mean. I, I think I think I think people let let their foot off the gas pedal, and I think it's yeah. a natural human factor when you know that you're so good at something, when you're so yeah. confident. Um, I think if that's the case, which I think you're right, I do. But I think it might have happened like eight weeks ago. I started two months ago with Valentina, and she's going into the training room, and she doesn't believe at all that Jennifer Ma could ever defeat her. She has the same belief as we do. And because of that, she isn't pushing herself 100%. That's what I think. I think she's going into training every day, la-di-da, and going, and what up, what up? I'm King Shit on Toad Mountain or whatever you want to call that. What You know what I mean? And she's going in there and she's training at 70% of what she usually would because she believes her opponent isn't a fraction of the skill level that she's at. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I agree. Let me let me tell you one thing. I think 
<clears throat> you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think uh, that fight was uh, it, it was a good fight, but we were both on the agreement that that shouldn't have been a fight anyways, and Shevchenko just kind of lit her up at the end. Um, should have gone in the first round. If if there's anything I can give you, Shevchenko is probably going to prepare at 120% only for one name. Do you know who that name is? Amanda. Give me the third Amanda. fight, mate. Give me the third freaking fight, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree, but I, that's not the only time we're going to see her. That's the only time we're going to see her 120%, in my honest after opinion. That after that fight, she can't go up, bro, because she'll get smashed. Well, yeah, because you saw the comp. It's just, you know, so I think she has to find her way. She um, got tested. She got tested against the plus 2000 underdog. Now, uh, she needs to go back to the drawing board and she needs to fight Jessica Andrade and she needs to put on a damn good show. And she better, if she fights like that against Jessica Andrade, yes, Jessica, Jessica Andrade will clean her. Yeah. Because she's dangerous, man. Jessica Andrade looks rebuilt and looks really good. Hell yeah. Dana White was saying about Zhang Wei Li too coming up and fighting her. Now, Zhang Wei Li probably whip her ass if she fights like that too. So mm-hmm. she needs to go back and she needs to be training 100% because what we saw then was un, un, unprepared for the situation that came and faced her because she was shocked in that second round. She was yeah. shook. And you got to remember, like, I think DC said it during the commentary about one of the, actually said it about one of the undefeated fighters earlier on in the night, but he said, these guys don't know how to lose. These guys don't know how to lose. Yeah. Now, I don't think that Valentina has that grit where she can be behind so far and come back and come back like a warrior. Do you know what I mean? I just don't think she has it in her. I think she has a mental block and a little bit of a mental weakness. And I think if Jennifer Meyer was a tiny little bit better and she had a better game plan, uh, well, she did have a good game plan, but if she just tactically played the fight different, if she had done what commentary was saying about pushing Valentina up against the fence and clinching with her, bro, yeah. she probably would have won. Yeah. If you worn on her a little more, she probably would have won. But anyways, moving on. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. let's do this. Let's do this. Let's let's look at the, the, the rest of the fights in the main card and try to go through it quickly because there's a lot of things we got to touch on. Uh, yeah. Means with the unanimous decision over Perry, Chukagian wins over Cavillo. And uh, Shogun Hua loses. Um, anything? Well, I know we're going to talk about Perry and, and that that whole thing. So let's leave that for after this. But is there anything that kind of stands out to you from those three? Um, I mean, Shogun's. I think Shogun's done. <laughs> Shogun needs to retire. <laughs> um, uh, Paul Craig looks very good, but big holes in his game that he uh, that he needs to that he needs to fix before he goes anywhere because um i think he will get i don't i don't know if you've seen it but i seen him when when shogun put the pressure on had him on the outside and was walking him down i paul craig was wide open wide open and then when uh he got blitzed he dropped his hands down by his waist had his chin up in the air and was sort of trying to slip with with head movement without footwork. Go and rewatch that fight if you don't believe me, because that was like I don't know how or who's teaching him to do that, or why he's doing that, or what's going on. But that is fundamentally wrong, and you will end up face down, ass up if you keep that up. And yeah. I was like, that's what I messaged you. I was like, dude, this is amateurish, amateurish rookie holes. He looks wicked and striking. He looked real good. He had smooth takedowns, and then well, his ground game is. His fr- is right up there in that division, right up there. He's got world class grappling. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. But this he he anyone who lets themselves get pressured and lets the opponent take the center is already um losing. Has already put themselves in a shitty position. Yeah. Anyone who walks backwards and is one of those so called counterfighters that you see, those people just they're putting themselves in a position that's bad from the start and then when he got blitzed he dropped his hands literally had them around by his waist had his chin up in the air 
and was like for an extended like for a good amount of time it was good you know like i had to close my eyes because i thought he was going to get clipped with something wild i was like yeah. come on like you might as well have your eyes closed if you're in there because you you know you're leaving you're literally leaving your the 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 thing that makes you go to sleep wide out just to hit you know just 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 to, to be a punching bag now other than that great performance um what else was it mike perry moving on from thing world class but big holes in his game and i don't see him beating the, his next opponent because the hole's too big and if he does it again he's going to get smashed that's my opinion yeah so <clears throat> let's talk about mike he perry needs, he needs to listen to this so he goes and watches his own fights because it's bad <laughs> um mike perry uh beast but to me it's a corner man but he needs a fight camp. He needs a he needs a good gym. He, he needs, needs a, a gym. Yes, and and he needs a coach because this is a like this sport over any sport of existence has more to do with your coach than anything. You can take two guys of the exact same ability. Um, the guy with the better coach is going to win every single time. It's game planning sport. It's a tactical sports. Yeah, you know you need tactics. Mike Perry is making up his own shit, which isn't bad, but it ain't the sort of shit that he would get from someone like a Duke Rufus or a Faraz Zahabi or a Javier Mendes or, or, or um, Justin Gage's coach. What's his name again? Yeah, Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman. You need a Trevor, Trevor Whitman. Whitman. awesome, man. He needs someone right. like that. But, you know, you know yeah. Like, that's uh, Eugene Berryman. These guys are what making their fighters go to the next level. Mike Perry is never going to be at the next level, bro. And because of his, because of his, his, his mind, I think, I think it's just his brain. I think the guy's just so wired so differently, but let me say this. Um, let's talk about the entertainment aspect because, you know, I think we both have different views on this. I strongly disagree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I strongly disagree with not having a corner and having his girlfriend there. His fully <laughs> pregnant. She's fully pregos, man. That thing is three humans inside of her and she's carrying it around, walking with him to the cage in a stressful time where you're watching your man get beat up. Um, he comes in five and a half pounds overweight and then he dabs and he says, I just want to eat whatever the hell I want to eat. Um, he's, I think personally as great as entertainment as it is, and people are watching it simply because of a guy like that. Um, mm -hmm. the guy has had trouble with the law. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what more can I say? It's irresponsible. I think it's just, it's making the sport look ridiculous because um, you're basically, kidding. you're making, you're, you're making it look like I can walk into the UFC without a single coach and I can go in there, start fighting people. And, you know, let's say if I had just a little bit amount of attributes and I just had, you know, just a, a little bit more than the next guy, I don't need a coach to compete. So what's it going to start looking like? And, you know, I think, you know, you and I disagree on the sanctioned part. I think, like, I think it must be a thing where they must have a coach with some repertoire in some degree, some some sort of of experience to be in there to back them up. Um, yeah. Because, like, if you're walking in there with your fully pregnant girlfriend, yeah, that's I mean, not a good. But and then he loses, right? And then last fight he won. Um, I think that's simply because Mike Perry was just better than the other freaking dude. But he goes damaged though. Yeah, Mike Perry done really, really well. Well, that's um, the thing. He is a good fighter, but he's like you said, he's never going to reach the next level. And so we're sitting here promoting a guy who doesn't do anything really positive for the outlook of the sport, other than entertainment. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna touch base on the whole credentials thing. All right, because no one, no one, listen to me. None of those coaches have any credentials at all, ever. It doesn't take anything to be an MMA coach. Nothing. You know what I mean? Usually, they find themselves in the position where they're coaching um, kickboxing fighters or, or, or classes or something like that, and they find a passion for it, and then they just lead the way and they build up from there. There's no certificates. There's no qualifications. There's nothing. And sometimes the best coaches are the guys that are fresh minds, like um, – Tyson Fury's coach, that young guy. Sometimes the 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 best coaches are guys that can just have the ability to see shit and make it happen. And uh, basically, 
Um, what I'm saying is there is no credentials or qualifications that you need, and we've seen that. You, Mike Perry's girlfriend went and cornered him. You don't need anything. And, and, and there's nothing that you can put in place to um, – there's nothing that you can put in place that's going to stop certain people from cornering people. Now, Conor McGregor had um, Tony Robbins in his corner. Now, I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm all for that. I like yeah. that. I'm all about that. You know what I mean? Tony Robbins in your corner, that's, that's some gangster shit right there, player. But um, your pregnant girlfriend, that I just think it's irresponsible because of the fact that she's pregnant yeah. and that's an extreme stress situation and he's fighting someone and that must not be good for the baby. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I do <laughs> like Mike Perry who came out to Beyonce, Beyonce and then he started singing it. I think he's a hell of an entertainer. But as far as the coaching goes, bro, most of the coaches are just ex-fighters. And the coaches that aren't are just coaches. So, like, I don't think they need – I don't think to say that – I like it how it is, and I like it that you have the freedom to choose who you want for your corner. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to put a situation out here because I, I, uh, I think it's a real thing. What happens if you – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to storytell right now. Here we go. So, Ruben, you're a young man, five years old. You start boxing with a friend. You guys go really far with boxing, striking. You're boxing fans. At the age of 15, you start watching Anderson Silva. Both of you guys are at each other's house every weekend. Your friend decides he doesn't want to carry on with the sport, and he's a fan, and he's going to go off and be a real estate agent. All right? He still trains in jiu-jitsu a little bit, but doesn't do too much. Now, you, you stay with the grind, start wrestling, start grappling. You, you, you take MMA fights, you, you're an amateur, you turn pro, you go all the way with it, and your friend was always a little bit better than you. You could always see a little bit more than you, especially in the striking. Now, he has watched fighting for the last 20 years plus. You sit in the room with him and you hear his expertise when he talks about what he sees, and you go, holy shit, this guy really knows his shit. Not only that, is he's my best friend. And I believe in him and I trust in him. And he can hold pads for me every now and again. He ain't my coach. He's never coached anybody before. But you need a cornerman and you you go, shit, yeah. You want to you corner me? You know what I mean? I think that there's no other, you know what I mean? The, what, what happens then? Because that guy doesn't have the credentials to be a coach. He doesn't have the qualifications or he's never fought pro. He's never you know, really even competed in MMA, but he's got an eye for the sport. He's a big fan. He does have experience in um, a different way other than it being physical. He's watched every single fight too. He's just a, he's just one of those guys. Now, someone like that, I'm not saying Lattery Gonzalez is one of those. She's 100% not. But someone like that could be incredible in that situation, could be the game changer, could be the mind that you need to get the W separate you from the pack you know what i mean like that there is what i think and i don't want to take that away because that is something that i have seen before and it has been a game changer for certain people and sometimes the ingredients for the recipe isn't always what you think it's going to be so if you're putting together a team sometimes experience and taking the guys that have been stuck in the same amount of ways isn't the best option sometimes when you have one coach and he's focusing on 10 fighters and the game plan is very similar for all of them and it's all oh, he's cornering five guys in one night and uh, all that like like someone like UG Berman who's a gangster don't get it twisted but then you have your friend who now this he's seeing this like the most important thing that's ever happened to him this is a once in a lifetime opportunity he is putting his heart and soul into your game plan that he knows it's going to, you know what I mean, that he's confident in. And he knows you better than anyone. And now he goes in there and corners you because I am 100% for that. And I would hate it for some commission to be like, no, your friend can't corner you. Well, he doesn't have any credentials. But you go, bro, he's got 20 years experience in, 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 in you know what I mean, in combat sports. Technically, 
not physically, but you know what I mean? He's done a little bit. Yeah. Well, here's, well, here's my mind with this. I, I, I'm not looking for a paper. I'm not looking for any certificate. But how do but, you how do you claim that guy's case to be a cornerman? Well, I think here here is here's where I'm asking that. Where how can we figure out a process for us to say, okay, this guy is can be a sanctioned cornerman, or this guy can be, yeah. you know? And I think there's there. I'm obviously asking more questions than giving answers, and maybe that's more of a problem than solution to anything else. But um, I don't want to see. Larry Gonzalez in his corner ever again. Um, and I certainly think what you just described is a great option. And I think that that should be more of the case in the UFC because, and, and I've seen, we, we, we've seen that case with a lot of fighters coming to the UFC and then they, they branch off and join gyms um, or vice versa or whatever the hell it is. Um, Mike Perry is an outlier case because I think part of what he's doing really is he's exposing a major gap in the UFC and the, and the sanction and the fighting commission. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the ability to allow anybody in your corner, bro. If I was a famous fighter, then give me Drake in my fucking corner. Yeah. Fuck right. Fuck. You know what I mean? I don't know about Drake. I think he's cursed, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Raptors won the championship. So, uh, you know, I'm, yes, ha- I'm a happy mate. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Is I'm not asking for a paper, but there's got to be a way that a fighter commission or specifically the UFC can create some sort of list, official list of, um, you know, or be able to apply to be on it and, and go through some sort of interview process, or I don't know what it is, but. But you shouldn't we, be, you should be, you should, you shouldn't be pregnant. <laughs> I well, just that's, think that's that number one be, thing. There um, should be a, 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 a yes or no box tick. And then the first question should be, are you pregnant? And then if you take yes, <laughs> you have to, you, get out of here. <laughs> you know, yeah, come on now, come on now, um, go back to the street skill. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I think that's that's a you know that's that's the conversation that is going to continue on, and and um you know listening to right. other other fighters and and analysts and next fighters. You, you should have put Darren Till in his corner. Well, I wanted that yeah. too, but you know yeah, that's. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here about the beef between. Darren Till and um, Mike Perry is if if um if Mike Perry just let Darren Till in and and shook hands with him, he's he's gonna the beef will be squashed. You know what uh, I mean? Gonna, no, there's gonna be a fight after. Nah, <laughs> there's gonna be a fight after. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 you know, it is what it is. But let's leave it there. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we have to talk about that are upcoming, but we're not going to go super in-depth because not everything is finalized yet. Um, you all heard that uh, me and Trent have been saying, oh, well, I mean, those sound like fights left for 2020 and, you know, there's not going to be much content. we got to figure something out to talk about. But um, Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira, um, a, a factor of our lightweight tournament that we were talking about for you for a, uh, you know, 2021, it's happening earlier. And that's a yeah. confirmed fight for UFC 256. And Connor signed his bout agreement. So that's confirmed for January 23rd. So um, why What's don't we just call it a lightweight tournament? That'll be 257. Yeah, well, there's only three guys left. And that's maybe four. So we got left. We got... You know, I think I think Dan Hooker signs a fight with, uh, with, with mm-hmm. uh, Michael Chandler. I think that's well, what happens. So. Um, well, because Dana said uh, Mike Chandler uh, was not um, envisioned for UFC 256 because he just cut weight for 254. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. He didn't fight. Yeah, but but, but like I understand yeah, because that's their prize for that's their prize free agent. So they're gonna give him time and 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 let him prepare properly for a big fight. No, I think the, the the candle will fizzle out unless you get him in there. The the um, the question that is over Michael Chandler's head and everyone like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? That guy needs to fight now because if he leaves it too long, in six months, the hype will be gone. Yeah. The hype will be gone. He's got a little bit of hype behind him. Um, not only that, is that I know I watched the Food Truck Diary with Brendan Schaub. I know he's been away from his family. I know that he hasn't, like his wife's been a single mum for the last 10 months. But that's not what the people see. And if, you know, 
it's one of those things what you're doing what you do now is going to last forever if you want to go home and um, be with your wife and kid for the next few months before you sign a bout agreement and that's more important to you then um, I fully understand that 100% I don't hold it against them but the people the fans the the MMA fans are going to this 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 sport forgets about people real quick faster than anything yeah, now, if he waits a, if he waits a few months the the longer he waits the less eyes that are going to be on him and that's just what i think and the reason is because the spotlight and the division will go on someone else because they're fighting you got to be active now conor mcgregor's fighting in january so um, you're crazy if you think that anyone's going to be talking about anyone else in the entire UFC. That's when there's a Conor McGregor fight. That's all people talk about. People stop talking about Bellator. People stop talking about one. People don't talk about boxing. People don't talk about any other fights on the card. When the king is oh, in well, the people ring. forget other sports too when Conor's on the card, right? So let's be real. Um, yeah. So Michael Chandler needs to. He needs to be. He needs to. In my opinion, he needs to get on that card. I think that's what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And I don't like I don't like the fight with him and Justin, even because they they're actually very similar. Those two fighters, they. But well, let me uh, interject really quickly. I don't. So yeah. I don't think. So I think this is how I see it playing out now. Yeah. Um, I've got. I think it goes Tony Charles and Connor and Dustin as it happens. Justin mm-hmm. fights. Connor and I think Connor wins that that fight against Dustin and I think that's for the vacant title because Khabib. National. Well, well, I think that's what happens or the number one contender spot or whatever because Khabib just did an interview and said he's not coming back. Um, he he's, did an interview in Russia and said he's not coming back. So yeah, I'm um, questioning too. I don't know if I believe. And then we got Tony and Charles, and I think that happens obviously in the next month. And I think on the twenty third, I think you have Michael Chandler and Dan Hooker. And then I say, I say you do winner of Tony Charles and winner of Hooker and, and Chandler. And then that's the number one contender for Justin and or for, for Connor and Justin Gaethje. Um, yeah. I think there's, I think, I think the timeline works out here. I think there's something going to be made pretty soon about Michael Chandler and Dan Hooker. Cause those two are the two guys that are really left in play here to discuss. Well, I did see on the Dan Hooker podcast, Dan Hooker said, there's been questions of who I'm fighting next. He said, um, whatever pops up on the, um, whatever name they give me, I'm going to take that contract and I'm going to sign it and I'm going to fight that guy. He uh, He's not fussy about who he fights. He just wants to fight. He's been out of the game for a little bit. Um, Michael Chandler, to me, looks like the guy that he needs to build his name to. So if, um, if, he can get a Chandler fight. That's 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 that that's what Dan Hooker needs. Justin Gagey is a is a massive fight for um for anyone in that division. I think it might be too much too soon for Michael Chandler. And as much as I'm a Dan Hooker fan and supporter of my home countrymen, I don't like to fight with Justin Gagey for him. I don't I don't I don't see it going too well for him. But who knows? He surprised me before. He did very well against um, Dustin Poirier, and Dustin Poirier beat Justin Gagey. So I don't know. Maybe that's the fight. Maybe um, maybe they give him Justin Gagey. But I don't know. Uh, Chandler needs to get in there. Justin Gagey is the only guy, in my opinion, that has the, should be allowed to have a little bit of time off. And that's just simply because he's been more active than everyone else. So give the man a break, make everyone else fight. I don't think you should give the belts to Connor or Dustin just because, you know, just, they just don't quite deserve it. I mean, Connor hasn't fought in 155 for how long? And his last fight at 55 was a loss. So as big as a name as he is and how much I love that dude, I don't think that he deserves a shot at the strap. Um, Michael Chandler never even had a fight in the UFC. Take a seat. Dan Hooker coming off a loss. Tony Ferguson coming off a loss. Charles Oliveira ranked like number six. So out of those guys that we're talking about, the only person that deserves a title fight is Justin Gagey. 
Now, only reason why Justin Gagey deserves a title fight is because he he was the interim champion and he fought tooth and nail to get into that position that he got in for Fight Island. Um, what Khabib done to him is totally irrelevant because He's done Khabib, that to everyone. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Khabib is talking about checking out anyway. So, but I don't think he does. I think he's, I think he's doing what Dana does to people, saying, "Oh, he's not going to fight. He's not going to fight." He's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good." You know. Um, I think that, I think that we see Khabib next year. I do. Well, uh, I was going to say, I think he, I think, I think he takes at least a year off, and then we hear back from him. But um, I think I just find it like if he's going to hold up the entire division, right, with the championship belt, because the 155 to me is the most stacked division, as you agree with, as we've said plenty of times. A 155 division without the belt in play is just absolutely useless for the promotion, right? And yeah. I think either we got to see in the next six months, Khabib gives up the damn belt. Or he says, yeah, I'll fight in December next year. And I think that that has to happen because the 155 is too stacked. There's too many big names in that division, right? We're talking about Conor McGregor, who is the most popular combat sports fighter, one of the most popular people in the world. Yeah. Tony Ferguson is a, is, a pay-per-view, is a pay-per-view seller. Uh, Justin Gaethje now is a pay-per-view seller. Doesn't pour you people know, you know what I mean? And so... You've got all of these guys, Mike Chandler, their prize possession, and now you're bringing in these top five, six guys who are coming in. There's just way too much. There's just way too much power, star power, and way too much. Uh, I mean, there are way I'm too many big names to 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 like just not have the belt in play. I'm gonna say something here. I think they give Michael Chandler Justin Gagey. Just thinking about it now, I'm like, uh, it, well, it might I, happen because I mean, I watch the. Yeah, the, the, the food truck diary with Brendan Schaub, Michael Chandler, and they did not mention Dan Hooker. They didn't mention him. Not at all. And I was like, hey, I think you guys are you guys are leaving someone out here. Well, I low key don't think he's in play. Who's that? Oh, I just don't think Dana White in the promotion see Dan Hooker in the play here. Which is up which is which is in my opinion a little bit unfortunate because Dan Hooker's yeah. killer. Dan Hooker, no, they do because Dan Hooker has main evented his last two fights, he's been a main event fighter. So they are trying to build him. They are trying to build him. They're not, he's not, they're not leaving him aside. Like they're not giving him anyone ranked below him. You know, they're, well, they're giving him main events. They're giving him decent names. I just feel, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I'd, it's, it's, it's only between two guys. So, the odds are 50-50, and I do know Dan Hooker's getting signed for a fight very soon. But I just get the yeah. feeling like he's going to get someone lower. He's probably going to get – he might get RDA or someone. RDA makes sense. Um, but here, I, I, I got to say this. I think when we're looking at the conversation about Michael Chandler, for Dana White to make him the, the replacement guy and to cut weight for 155 on the championship fight day um, – that should be enough of a storyteller to say, like, you know, I think the UFC sees Michael Chandler pretty high, number one. And number two, um, if they're going to do that, I think that he's in line for a pretty big fight, which we've all known that he's he wants to fight a top five guy. So I think it makes sense for him to fight Gaethje. Now, what happens after that fight is what I'm saying. Does Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira, winner of that face, um, Connor and Dustin? And then they go up to fight whoever won Justin and Michael Chandler. And then that's a vacant title shot or because, you know what I'm saying? Like right now we're, we have, we have three, we have three um, pylons set in place if we're looking at the lightweight tournament. And I like looking at the lightweight tournament style just because I think it kind of sets up things nicely for the timeline for the next year, for the next six to eight months. Right. Um, You've got two lightweight fights already set in stone. I think like, and then you have Justin Gaethje who's without an opponent. And then I think that last pylon with the top eight, um, I think is, you know, RDA, Dan Hooker, right? Or, you know, is Khabib in play at the very end? Then that's where things get interesting. You know what I mean? So does Justin Gaethje, does it look like Khabib's already here and Justin is the number one contender waiting for a winner from whoever fights Dustin Connor and Tony and Charles Oliveira? 
So I think it, I think it's there's a weird play here, but I think there's a lot to work with for the UFC. And um, the interesting part for me is, regardless of whatever the hell happens with that 155 division, without a belt, it's all useless. Yeah. So it, I think Khabib, if I'm if I'm Dana, I say Khabib, make up your damn mind. Are you going to give up the title in six months, or are you going to just hang on to it until you feel like you want you want to fight again? Um, and if he says he's going to fight again next year. And he signed, I think you're going to make him sign that contract for sometime between October and December and have him defend his belt. So at least we know that what these guys are fighting for means something. Because otherwise, if these guys are just fighting for wins, you're in the most stacked division of all fight divisions in combat sports and MMA. Um, you know, it's just useless. You're, you're wasting your promotion. You're wasting marketing money. You're wasting so much on these guys. It's going to go nowhere. Um, so, I mean, that's my personal take on it. I think it's what, regardless of what happens, Khabib has to make a decision. Yeah, that will pressure him too. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think you're dead right. And the, like, who knows? Who knows if he, you know, I've, I've, I've a feeling he will just because he's still in the testing pool. He, he, yeah. he posted a picture of his test. Um, he his managers talking about him fighting. Dana's talking about him fighting. Javier Mendes, in fact, said that he might fight too. Yeah, so, so the people around him are saying it, but until he says it, no one knows. And the guy's retirement speech was pretty damn convincing. And he yeah. doesn't ever like Khabib doesn't ever um when he says something, he does it. He doesn't ever he doesn't ever toy with his words what he means what he says is what he means yeah you can hold that that's a man that when you can say yeah that you can hold him to his word that's for sure whether he changes his mind or not um i mean he he might and i hope that he does because i want to see him get to 30 and i would like to see him compete again but if i don't i don't care you know i want to see it but if i don't see it well plenty of other guys that have exciting exciting ability in the same you know in the division the only thing is the question mark is who's better because i'm gonna just speak a bit of truth here i think that connor beats all those guys bar khabib and how you know and he might even beat khabib who knows but i just think that the level that he's at and we're going to see it on display in january is going to be way better than adjusting gagey Way better than Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson. Way better than those guys. I know for a fact we're going to see a, a way better Cardinal than what we saw against Cowboy. That's for sure. He's going to come and in ready, and he's been training for a whole year. The Connor that we saw against Cowboy is better than all those guys. Yeah, yeah. 100%. None of those guys – all of those guys get shut out in the first round, every single last one of them. And so I'm let's – yeah, yeah. I'm a big, big fan of Dan Hooker. I'm a big fan of Tony but and Justin, but they get – ran over Connor's a different breed as we say about Khabib right and Connor's ran over everyone so I, I think at this point and he's only way better yeah so let's end that off there let's run through the next couple events that are coming up for the Big UFC things, before we finish some things um, as Big you know next, this coming Saturday actually we got Blades and uh, Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis I think that's going to be a slobber knocker of a fight that's for sure going to end in a knockout um, December 5th, uh, headlined by uh, Jack Hermanson and Kevin Holland. Uh, Kevin Holland, you and I have, have liked quite a bit. And then UFC 256, which is happening on December 12th. Um, as we mentioned, I'm obviously a little bit pissed off because Errol Hawani reported that the Peter, Piotr Jan and the uh, Aljamain Sterling fight is off, um, which I'm, I'm super upset about because that was a fight that we've been waiting for for pretty much a whole year. Um, and... and that Sterling is that was a shot, bro. That I feel like Sterling, Sterling wins that fight. Yeah. So Jane. Um, and then obviously we're gonna get uh Tony Tony uh Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. So that's gonna be a nice uh, bounce back fight for Tony Ferguson. We'll see how that goes. Um that's an interesting one. And then yeah, fight night. A, sorry, yeah, go ahead. 50, that's a 50-50 fight, bro. If yeah. you think that um Tony Ferguson is going to run through Charles Oliveira. Think again. Yeah. Charles Oliveira is very dangerous. He is, his, his striking is slick. 
His jujitsu is slick. Jujitsu is awesome, man. Uh, as tar- as good as Tony's is, um, I think that uh, Charles Oliveira can hang with him on the mat. I do. I think that he's probably got better striking now. Tony does some ninja shit, does some throw the sand in your face shit, does some spinning things. But the idea around the sport is to hit and not get hit. And Tony Ferguson gets hit a lot. He, he defends punches with his face. Um, he he didn't look too, too good against Justin Gagey. And his knee has been a reoccurring injury, which he never really got repaired properly. And I don't believe he looked the same since. Um, we saw Kevin Lee knock down Tony Ferguson. We saw Kevin Lee take him down. We saw um, the Wheaties kid. Uh, what's his name? Anthony um, Pettis knocked down Tony Ferguson, cracked him with the right hand, knocked him down, took him down, stayed on top of him. Um, and we've seen him get absolutely destroyed by Justin Gagey. So, if you think that Tony Ferguson is going to run through Charles Oliveira, I would have to disagree. And I would think he would be a slight favorite, but unless he has some sort of resurgence and some kind of um, uh, magic anti-aging cream, I don't, <laughs> see him, I don't see him winning a clean fight. If he does win it, it'll be a yeah. war. Yeah. But I just think that, the, the 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 leg injury and the hiding that Justin gave him and the fact that he hasn't looked that dominant in a while, I take him out of the picture to be. I don't think he's ever going to win the belt. That's just what I think. Yeah. And um, what's his face? Charles Oliveira is getting better, man. Yeah. He's getting better. He's on a seven fight win streak, and Tony's on a zero fight win streak, but he was on a twelve fight win streak. But the couple at the end before the loss were wars you know so he's not he's not cleaning guys he's not cleaning them up now well he's no longer in his prime that's for sure and the injuries have put him back so let's let's put it at that he's yeah he's um he's got a big big hard fight ahead of him and this will be the answer this is the one where you look at and you think if tony fight can win if tony can fight this his fight and he can be the tony of old then we are looking at a Tony that is dangerous as hell in that division. But if he loses, if, he's out of the picture. Pretty much. Yeah. If he if there's a war, he's out of the picture. Yeah. If if Charles Oliveira can even give him problems, which I think he will, he's out of the picture. Because yeah. it's just the old father of time, the old injuries yeah. stacking. All right, and then the big uh, fight night card on December 19th. Let me just read this out for everybody. Uh, Leon Edwards and Kamzat Kamaev. That's the, that's, the, uh, that's the main event. Co-main evented by Jeff Neal and Wonderboy Thompson. Other names on this card that are featured are Greg Hardy, Marlon Moraes, Marlon Vera, and Jose Aldo fighting. Uh, we've also got Mike Pereira and Chaos Williams. We've got, uh, who else is on that card? Um, Diego Lima. So, I mean... Big fight night card some, for December 19th. We got some fucking fights. <laughs> we, got some, we got some scraps coming on. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean, exciting time. Just last week, we were talking about how we're going to have a lack of content. And then here we, you know, UFC just throws this whole shit in our face and says, screw you. Uh, we've got some fights coming up for the end of the year. So, super exciting. Um, next time you guys hear from us, we'll be talking about uh, the fight night card happening this Saturday between Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. Um, but, yeah, man. That's uh, that's episode eight. That yep, that that good, good um, <laughs> good, good podcast. I just want to say something on that Derek Lewis um, and Curtis, Curtis Blades card. Now that card doesn't look that good. If you look at it, the only two people that are really even slightly interesting is um, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades, and the rest are the rest. But as we've learned. Never judge a card by the names that are on it. Tune in. See what happens because those are the fights that you unveil the guys like the Kamzat Chamaevs. You unveil the guys like the Chaos Williams, the Joaquin Buckley, which we didn't get a touch base on, but we have a serious 
Serious, serious. Yeah, we have a guy. We have a guy. Literally. Yeah. We have a fucking guy there. He's a beast. Um, so this could be one of those cards that we get the next Conor McGregor. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Just stay no. tuned. Yeah, but, I doubt yeah. it. But yeah, there always. It there it is. The Sunday MMA show brought to you by Locker Room Unfiltered. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm Ruben Don Gallon Jr. from my co-host Trent McGregor. Peace out, y'all. We're out. <laughs>